Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Come on, give a clap out if you're feeling good. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We want to welcome our guest. Would you give our guest one clap and then, then I'll let you stop clapping after that. You don't have to clap again. Uh, hey, I want to say thank you again to, to our team that did the pastor appreciation for us. And, and just so you'll know, that wasn't planned by myself or Herod or Gina. We had no idea that's coming. So I don't want you to think, hey, you just worked in a great moment for yourself. We didn't do that. But, um, but I want you to know that I want to deflect any, anything upon me back to God and thank Him for allowing us as a team to just be shepherds and be pastors because we love what we get to do. And we couldn't do it without the team. I mean, you know, listen, there's a few of us as, as maybe considered pastors, but every role is important on our staff and we love them so much. I love every volunteer that helps. Listen, none of this happens without a whole group of people. And so someone set all this up, someone will break it down, someone's in kids' ministries, and there's so much going on from tech teams and all. And I want you to know, you're in your chairs. I appreciate you. You came today, and I'm so grateful. So maybe this ought to be just appreciation day, and we all... I'll clap for you. How's that? Amen. So that's awesome. So listen, we are starting a a series called Seasons. And, um, you know, we all go through seasons. And our church has been in a season where we're in the gymnasium. But I want to let you know that this season is going to come and go pretty soon. And um, I want to give you a quick update about our building because soon we'll start renovations on the building. But here's what here's where we are right now. Um, we have um, the the term sheet from the bank, which is now signed and over to a, an attorneys, and the attorneys are doing their talk. And as soon as that finishes, we'll close on the loan that will enable us to begin the renovations. And then that loan gets paid off as soon as our land uh, closes and sells. And so. But we didn't want to wait for the land, so we got the loan, and it's nearly ready. Uh, we're pulling permits, building construction permits next week. And um, so real soon, we'll start doing real work inside that building. And just before we do, I'll have some sort of announcement where we'll have... I, groundbreaking doesn't seem right, because like there's already a building there, so we're not going to... like break ground, but we're going we're gonna to have a party of some sort when we finally start that renovation project. We'll let you know. We'll make it fun. It'll be great. So we're getting real near. I'll let you know the moment things begin to, to go forward. So that's what's going on. Season. So we've been in a season here. We have a season coming up, but there are a lot of seasons in our life. And, and you know, as the seasons is changing now outside, I mean, it's really, oh, it's so beautiful out this morning. You can feel the the crispness, crispness in the air, it was just amazing. So we have a series called Seasons, and, and God has set up the earth to have seasons. So the earth has patterns and cycles. The Bible says in, in the book of Genesis chapter 8, 22, it says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest. There'll be cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night. And so God established these seasons as patterns for the earth and for our weather. But I believe he's also put us in a 
place where we experience seasons in our human existence, in our human experiences. And the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And I believe that the, the, the season that you're in, the season that I am in, God has a purpose in it. He can work and he can do things in every season of our life. And so if you're taking notes as far as the, the introduction to our series goes, I want you to know that God has a purpose for every season of life. You may be wondering how some seasons that seem difficult or, or in some way harder than others can have purpose in your life. And I think of it in terms of like winter season. If you're a farmer, uh, you understand that the winter season has a purpose because if you farmed 24-7, you would wear out the soil. And so the winter season is a rest season for the soil. The winter season is a season where it kills off all the insects that would destroy the new plants coming forth. So winter has a, has a purpose and every season in your life has a purpose. The Apostle Paul, he mentioned this to a young pastor by the name of Timothy and we read in 2 Timothy about his purpose and what he was instructed to do. And it says to preach the word. He's saying to Timothy, preach the word when? He said to be ready in season and out of season. And so in every season, we can live for God's purpose. You can live your life and, and find God's presence in every season of life. I was thinking about that you know, be ready in season and out of season. And it's kind of like, you know, you can raise your children in season and out of season. Like there's always a, a way to, to disciple and raise up your children in a way that when maybe the culture seems rough, but I can still raise my children in this season to know God. Maybe it's a, a difficult season, but you can still make good grades in a difficult season. Uh, so whatever the season is, you can create, you can develop, you can start businesses. And in the season that you're in, it's not a season to just stop. It's a season to see what God is doing. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different seasons that we all go through. And the four seasons are this. We have a dry season that people go through. We have waiting seasons that people go through. We have a difficult season and a fruitful season. And so today I'm going to start with the first part of this series on the dry season. And I hope the title of my message gives you hope as I take off into it. The title is The Gift of a Dry Season. The Gift of a Dry Season. I want to ask you though as we get started what your favorite season is. I want to know like from you, like what season do you like the best? By raising your hand, is winter your favorite season? Got any people just love winter? One person, two people, three people. All right, there's a few of you. You live in the wrong city. You know, like you, you, gotta, you need to move north. Don't move, but you, that's where you need to go north, I guess, and find the winter season. How many of you like spring season? You just love spring. Everything's new and, and the pollen is out. You, just, you sneeze and you love it. You're like, that's my season, right? Love the season. Who loves summer season? We got people love the heat. Oh, we even got a woo-woo out of the summer season. How about that? You love the heat. You love the humidity. You love the beach. You, you love the, 
the, you know, the sunshine burning your skin. It's awesome. Love it. Love the summer. So who loves fall? We're rolling into fall. Oh, we got claps. Oh man, we got a, I guess we're a fall church. Let me tell you what my favorite season is. My favorite season is football season. That's my favorite season. That's where I'm at. So wherever that is, that's where I'm at. So listen, I want you to know, church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which season you love. You're going to go through the seasons regardless. And so God has a purpose in the season that you're in. And today we're talking about the spiritually dry season. It's not a fun season, I get it, but God has a purpose in it. Let me define this season for us. A dry season is when we feel distant and disconnected from God. Now I want you to know you're not. You're not disconnected from God. He, he hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. But we go through seasons where we just can't seem to perceive God's presence in our life. We, we go through seasons where we feel like we can't hear His voice and our prayer life seems to struggle and we can't recognize the Holy Spirit guiding us in the same way. Sometimes it feels like spiritually we're in a, a winter season or a dry season. It, it's, it's like when we read our Bibles in that dry season, it seems more like a chore than something that's life-giving to us. It's just a dry season. It's when worship for us feels like we're going through the motions, but we don't have any emotion to add to it. It's as if we're in a spiritual drought, and I, I would call it that, a spiritual drought in our life, and we go through those seasons. Let me define for you drought, because this kind of defines the dry season. A drought is a prolonged absence of something specified, such as to thirst. A spiritual dry season isn't just not perceiving God's presence in a day, like one day, maybe not even one week. But there are times that we walk through these seasons that seem to be prolonged. They seem to last longer than we would ever imagined. And they can last for weeks, months. And I, I tell you, I've walked through seasons where it seems like it's been longer than that. A dry season. And we all go through them. Now, sometimes we go through a dry season and it's maybe our fault in some capacity. Uh, it could be that that dry season is because we have... Um, not been like uh, faithful to our spiritual habits in our life. Instead of feeding on God's word and refreshing us with, with God's word and God's worship, sometimes we just lose that habit and, and we start to feel that distant because of that. Sometimes we just get so busy with distractions. And, and I know there's so many parents that have children that are in soccer and football and, and there's so much going on. It's easy to just get distracted in the busyness. I went by a little soccer field yesterday and I mean, there were hundreds of kids and families out there. And I'm like, it, I remember that season in our life and it's, it's just busy. And so in those seasons, we can feel a little separated because we're distracted. Sometimes we go through seriously difficult times in our life and, and that tends to disorient our faith. And so those are some reasons why that we can experience that dry season. But, but I don't want to focus on those today because 
I think sometimes God initiates a dry season for a greater purpose in your life. God initiates it at times. Now let me clarify this before I move on. God never leaves you. You just aren't perceiving his presence. He never abandons his children. But I believe there are times that God veils his presence from us in order to, to um, stimulate us to search for him. Like I believe there's a season that we walk through where we aren't perceiving his presence and in that moment we say, God, I need you more and we press into him all the more. I believe God wants to waken our spiritual life today. I believe God doesn't want us to be in a place of slumber in our walk with God. And I believe God wants to awaken the church. He wants to awaken the body of Christ. He wants us to be fully alive in Him and serving Him and living for Him and having, having courage in Him and being bold in Him. God wants to awaken us and I believe today is a day of awakening for us. The Bible says in Psalm 63, 1, as I begin the teaching on this, it says, Oh God, you are my God. And the psalmist says, Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. A drought and a dry season creates hunger. The psalmist wrote, God, I'm in this this thirsty place. He wasn't talking about the, the soil of the ground being dry. He was talking about the soul. His spirit life felt dry to him. And as a response to that dryness, he, he began to seek God. The, the, the longing in his heart prompted him to seek for it. He was hungry, so he searched for God. Have you ever been hungry and searched for food in your life? Well, probably not in a reality in our culture, praise God. But I have been hungry for carbs before in my life. If we have any carb lovers in here, you just love all the carbs, the pizza and the chips and the Doritos. Well, listen, I love carbs. I do. I love it. Um, I shouldn't because carbs are not good for me. So I've started this whole diet probably over a year ago, but I, I, my whole diet is this, try to eliminate all the bad carbs. Now, I know good carbs are good for me. I'll eat a few vegetables to try to offset that, but, but I, I really love chips and all that. And so, so I know that that's bad for me. So I just, I just have tried my best to quit all carbs, except for about once a week, I have a cheat day. Anybody love cheat days? Like, I love the cheat day, man. I'm like, can't wait. Usually it's like a Friday is going to be my cheat day. And sometimes we'll just go get pizza and I'll just, I'll just love the dough, man. I'm like, bring the breadsticks, the whole thing, you know, like I love it. And, and so, but there was this night not long ago, a couple weeks ago, and I was on my cheat day. I was going to find the, the carbs in the pantry and and I was looking for the chips, and I knew we had chips because just a few nights before, we had had a little dinner party at our house, and Harriet had a whole lot of chips, and I know we didn't eat all the chips, so I knew there was chips in the house, and they were calling to me. It was on a Friday night, and I'm looking for the chips, and, and I couldn't find the chips, but I wanted the chips, and so because I was hungry for the chips, I started searching for the chips, and she was already in bed. It was a little late, 
And um, so I was going to find the chips. And, and so I was hungry for chips, so I started searching. And that's what you do when it prompts something. Like, you can't help it. When you're hungry for something, you're going to find it. And so I couldn't find the chips. I knew they were somewhere in the house, so I looked through every cabinet in the kitchen. She'd hidden the chips. I knew she did. She tries to help me. She tries to help me, so she'll hide the stuff, and she leaves out you know, the healthy stuff, you know, like the things that I'm supposed to eat. And so, you know, the easy stuff. But, but <clears throat> I knew there were chips in the house, and so I was searching. I went in the garage. I searched the garage over. I'm like, I know she's put these chips somewhere because <clears throat> I'm hungry. I want chips. I found the chips, to, be, to tell you the truth. I found them. They were on the very bottom of the pantry behind the healthy stuff, hidden in the back, covered up. But you cannot keep me out of the chips when it's time to have the chips. I will find them because I will seek and I will find when I'm hungry, all right? <clears throat> and so that's the point that, that, that is being made here. When, when we are in a dry season, it creates a thirst. It creates a hunger in our life. And the response from that moment should be to start seeking God to find it. So the psalmist said this. He said that in this thirsty time, he said, my soul thirst. He said, early then I will seek you. In other words, the psalmist is saying that I'm going to change my pattern from what I was doing. And now I'm going to seek you earlier because I have to get near my God. And so he was seeking God. Spiritually speaking, hunger and thirst are healthy signs of a walk with God. Spiritually speaking, recognizing that, that you are not perceiving God's presence in your life, recognizing that you are in a dry season, and there's a part of you that recognizes I have a hunger and a thirst. There's, there's a longing in me to be near God. And so if that hunger and thirst drives you to, to seek Him, then hunger and thirst is actually a very good thing in your life. Because we want to be people that, that have a hunger for God. We want to be stirred in our spirit to, to always draw near to God. We want to value His presence in our life. I think it's way more troublesome to be in a dry season and not know it. To be in a place where you haven't connected with God for some time and you're not aware of it anymore. I think it's a, a dangerous place. It's a, it's a harmful place to, to be living, thinking all is well, but you haven't experienced, you haven't had an encounter with the presence of God in some time and you're just going through the motions. At some point, the emotions, the motion of just doing it will fail you. We need to draw close to God. And that's why I want to tell you that in a dry season, it is not to harm your life, but it is to draw you closer to God. Listen, God, God will veil His presence just enough to cause us to hunger and thirst for Him. But I want you to know that, that God is, He is the worst at playing hide and seek there ever was. If you're a parent and you have a, a toddler and you play hide and seek with your little toddler, 
where you always want your toddler to find you. I mean, the last thing you want to do is to hide so well that your toddler searches and gives up and goes, I don't know where, you know, mom and dad are. I give up, you know, like that would be terrible. Like that's not how you play hide and seek with a toddler. So if you're playing hide and seek with a toddler, you, you hide behind the couch, but you leave your foot out kind of like that so that when the toddler's running around, they see your foot and they come around and when they see you, they light up. They're like, hey, there you are. And then as a parent, what do you do? You reach down and you hug them. And there's a, there's a moment of vibrancy that is restored right back to that. I want you to know that God is a terrible hide-and-seek player. He's going to leave his foot out for you so that the moment you start looking, he wants you to find him so that connection brings that vibrancy back to your walk with him. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, 17, it says, this is from the Lord, but it's saying, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Today, I just want to stir our hearts to seek God in a fresh new way. You may not be in a dry season, but use this as a, as a catalyst in your life to say, I want to know God more and more because God wants us to seek Him. God wants us to know Him. God wants us to, to depend on Him. God wants us to find our courage in Him. God wants us to, to find our joy in Him. And He wants to help you in your life. But we have to seek Him for it. Our seeking simply demonstrates our love for Him, our trust in Him, and our dependence in Him. I want to take you to an Old Testament story where the Israelites were in the wilderness. They were in a desert a true desert, a desert season in their life. And Moses is writing in the book of Deuteronomy about this experience. And it says this in, in Deuteronomy 8.2. It says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. And so he's saying to them, I want you to stay aware of some things. I want you to not forget a couple things. And so he reminds them of this thing to not forget. And he says in verse 3, he says that God, he humbled you. God allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. And here's the comma and here's the, the point of it, because he says that. But what he's saying is here is why I allowed that. God allowed that. He allowed it so that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so God allowed the hunger. He fed them with manna, which was bread from heaven, so that they would learn to trust God and depend on Him for everything they needed in life. The desert condition created an opportunity for God to teach them to draw close to Him and trust Him. You see, I think it's really possible for all of us to put our walk in autopilot in some ways. To get used to just a, a pattern. I, I read my Bible from time to time. I go to church from time to time. And we just, we just get in patterns and and I think it's easy for us to forget that we are 
supposed to depend on God every day for the things that we need in life. We can actually, in my opinion, take God for granted. We can forget how amazing grace is. Like we can forget how much God has forgiven us in our life. And the moment you forget how much he's forgiven you is about the moment you fail to worship him in the same capacity. Hey, the reason that I worship him with so much passion is because of what he's done in my life. And I never want to forget the benefits of my Savior. The moment we, we take God for granted, we can forget that every good and every perfect thing, every blessing comes from our Father above. We never want to forget those things. I never want to begin to, to rely on myself. I don't want to be self-reliant. I don't want to think that I can do this on my own. I never want to get to the point where I think that I have arrived and I don't need my God every day. And God wants to remind us of that because our dependence on Him is so important. The moment we start to take God for credit or for granted, then we begin to neglect His value in our life and we stop pursuing and we stop um, just putting our whole heart into who He is and our worship of Him. Taking anything for granted is a step towards failure and decay. As an example, if you're married, you never want to take your spouse for granted. And sometimes we do that. We, we just get into a pattern of life and we, we forget how special and how great that our, our spouse is and the things that our spouse does for us. And, and once we start to forget about that, we start to, to just lower our level of appreciation. And so anything you take for granted. I, I watched a documentary the other day on a, on a high school running back, Marcus Dupree. And some of you have no idea who that is because it was years ago. But he was probably the greatest high school running back of all time. He set the high school record for touchdowns as an eighth grader for the senior varsity team. He was huge. He was fast. Uh, he wore these, these jerseys that were tearaway jerseys and the videos of him just running through the line. He was so much bigger than everybody. He'd just run through the line. They would hang on to his jersey and he'd, he'd pull away and he'd score. They'd pull him out of the game like at halftime because he had just already decimated the, the other team. And so he was recruited by every college football team there was. He was recruited from, from Alabama's to Auburn's to Mississippi to Ohio State. He, all the big ones. For some reason, he decided to go to Oklahoma University. <clears throat> and after his first year, his coach said to him, now this is the, the greatest high school athlete that has been ever come through, they said. The coach said to him, you're lazy and you don't work hard enough because you just think you can get by without giving your best. That summer, he came back, Marcus Dupree, and he was significantly overweight and slower. He ended up dropping out of college football because he took for granted the gift that God had given him. And we can never take for granted the things that God has given us. We can't take God for granted because the moment we take something for granted, we begin to, to lose our hunger, we lose our passion, and we can't take God for granted either. 
So Moses said to the Israelites in this story, he said, I want you to remember that time. Remember when you were in the desert. Remember when you were thirsty. And remember that God fed you, that God took care of you. He, he brought water out of the rock and God provided. He said, I want you to remember that so that you don't lose your passion for seeking and searching and being close to God. Their hunger, their hunger created an appreciation for God. Only after you lack something, you understand its true value. And sometimes with our walk with God, that, that perceived place that he's not there can spark us, can stimulate us to say, God, I need you more. I love you more than ever. And I believe God is wanting to initiate this kind of hunger in our church. This kind of hunger in the body of Christ. I think God wants the, the church of America and the church in Wilmington and the church in the gym to stay hungry for God, to keep a passion for Him, to never take Him for granted and to, to never just assume that, that everything is just always going to march the same direction and we just need to have... A, a passion to seek God, to depend on Him for everything we have. That's what He's calling us to. I believe God's awakening the church. He's awakening us to passion. He's awakening us to prayer. He's awakening us to deeper levels of worship and serving and reaching the lost. In some ways, I, I feel this as I was writing these notes this week. I I kind of felt like our church has been in somewhat of a dry season for a number of years and probably since we moved out of the mall and we came into this facility and everything seemed different to us and it was a, it's been a more difficult season and, and in some ways I felt like we traveled to what is to be. When we finally get that new building, then will that. And, and there was a little bit of mind travel or heart travel. And in the middle of this place, I feel like it has been, in some capacities, a little bit of a dry season for us. But I want to prophesy against that today. I want to speak what I believe the Lord is saying to us as a church body today. And I believe the prophetic word for us is that in a spiritual sense in, a, in our spiritual life and the spiritual vitality of our church that spring rains are coming. I believe that. Now I believe that it's important for us to step into that time of, of trusting God while we're here so that when we get there we don't have to build something that we were supposed to have built here in our spiritual life. And so I want us to to lean into that, that God is prophetically saying, I want to bring the spring rains on upon this church. But listen, I think there is a, a, an if that's associated with that. And that if is this, if that we respond with seeking, if we respond to a dry season with passion, if we respond to the dry season of hunger, then I believe it brings those rains. The Bible says in the New Testament, it says this, that in Luke 1, 53, it says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Filled the hungry with good things. But has 
sent the rich away empty. Is that God's distaste for the prosperous? Absolutely not. That is God's distaste for those who have become satisfied with what they have and not remained humble and hungry for God. Let me tell you, God is not against riches. He's just against us depending on it. You know, the greatest place for you to be is in God's blessings and still hungry. In God's plenty and still thirsty. In God's nearness but still searching. That's where He's calling us to. The gift of a dry season is, though, that it creates this sense of hunger. It creates a, a place of, of, of low-key desperation in our life to, to find God, to, to seek Him, to, to connect with Him. God does not want us to become self-reliant and, and lacking that hunger. Because if we do, if we become those in myself, in our church, and in your life, if we become those that that becomes self-reliant, then I believe God has an answer for that. And he says in Psalms 107, he says he turned rivers into a desert. Now God did that. He turned the river into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground. And I think the moment we lose our dependence upon God, then we head into very destructive seasons in our life. And if the blessings have caused us to wander from the Lord, then out of His mercy, He removes those things and He allows a dry season so that we can return to the strength of our life. The purpose of a dry season is to bless your life. God wants to bless you more than you know. He wants you to depend on Him for it. So three verses later, after God turned the rivers into the desert, it says this, that there he brought the hungry to live. There, where? In the desert, in this dry place. He brought the, the people of Israel to, to live there. And I want you to look at what happened. When they got there, they were hungry, and there they founded a city where they could settle. They, they decided to build their homes in the desert. They decided to build their house their, 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 and raise their families in the dry place. I wonder if they realized it was better to live in a desert and be close to God than to live in plenty and have no God. And so the Bible says that they made a move. They moved. They moved to the place. They began to build the city. They made a move during a dry season. They made a move during the dry season. The next verse says this, that they sowed fields and they planted vineyards. Listen, they sowed seeds in a dry ground. They got their seeds. They looked at the ground and they're like, it's all desert. God brought us here. And so I'm going to make a move in the desert. If he brought us here, I can trust him in it. And they started throwing seeds. They started planting their crops. They started putting out their, their preparation for vineyards. And, and right in the middle of a dry season, they made a move. And it says that when they made a move, they sowed in the fields, they planted the vineyards, and that yielded, what? A fruitful harvest. Like right in the middle of a desert 
God began to bless them. It says he blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their herds diminish. Church, listen, in a dry season, God is calling you into a seeking season because he has greater calling and blessings ahead of you. And I want to encourage you today, make a move. Do something that steps out of your spiritual comfort zone. If you're in a dry season, I feel you. I've walked them. And so many times in, in my dry seasons, I've looked back to, to check, did I do something? You know, is there some unrepentive sin? Is there something going on in my life? And, and so often it's not. I'm just going through a season. Usually what I find is as God is prompting me to dig a little deeper, to seek him a little further. He's prompted me to, to go into a season of fasting or a season of 21 days of prayer, or he's, he's just drawing me in some way to step out of some comfort zones so that I can seek him so that he can do more in my life and I can know him in a deeper way. Listen, God wants to bless you, but he wants you to depend on him for it. And if you feel that in some way you haven't sensed God's presence in your life, he's not mad at you. He's not avoiding you. He's calling you. He said, would you come? Would you come seek him? And I want to promise you this. If you do, you'll find him because he's going to leave his foot out behind the couch because he loves you and he wants to bless your life. He wants your, he wants your life to be fruitful. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this church. I know that we go through so many seasons in life. And, and God, right now I want to minister to those who feel like they're in a dry season. With every head bowed, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, I feel like I am in that dry season. Is there anyone here that just lift your hand to me? So many people. Absolutely. God, I pray that as we've heard your word today, that you would draw us closer to you. Help us to respond and to say, yes, God. And God, I pray that there would be a new freshness, a new vitality in our connection with you. God, I pray that over our church. God, I pray that we would respond to the season now by stepping in to more of you. God, that we would be we would be passionate in our worship, God. We would be passionate in our prayer life, God. Lord, I pray that you would do something so amazing just in our midst, God. Because we love you, because we come to you, because we seek you, God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus, if you've never had your sins forgiven, if, if some of the conversation that I've had with you today seems seems a little unknown to you. I want to let you know that it all begins with a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Bible teaches us that you are loved by God. You need to know that. He loves you. Absolutely loves you. Not based on anything you've done or haven't done. He loves you. We also recognize that it's our sin that has brought separation. The reason you're not in a relationship with God is because, because the sin puts this 
this distance between you and God. But Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died as a replacement for you. He paid the price. Sin deserves a, a price to be paid. Sin puts us in a place of eternal condemnation and punishment. But Jesus said, I'll take your sin on me so that you can be free and go know the Father. And he's inviting you today to know the Father through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to make a decision today. Would you decide? Would you choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And one last time, would you bow your heads? There's probably someone, several someones that need to make a decision today to choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, would you raise your hand to me and say, Pastor, that's me today. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want a brand new life. Father, we thank you for this day. Would y'all pray this out loud with me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I'm so sorry for any sin in my life. I turn to Jesus for forgiveness. I receive it today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen, church? Come on, let's celebrate just a second. Amen.